Hello everyone, this is Chris Ebinger of Nightfall Audiobooks. This is the series update in between The Sleepwalker and my next book, The Wrong Number. My studio is coming along nicely. I get a medication mailed to me and it has to be kept cold when it's delivered. And it's only done once a month. The good news about this is, is that it has excellent insulation inside and some disposable. I've been saving the insulation and stapling it to my door. When I finish that, I'll do my ceiling. Good news is I get free insulation. It's very, very, very dense and it's excellent for sound control. The bad news is I only get a little bit of it each month. I might have half of the ceiling done by the end of the year. I have yet to use my studio yet. I'm still looking for time to do that. My kids have been sick. My wife has been taking care of them. It's just been a mess. When everything decides to iron itself out, I can use the studio at home. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at Nightfall Audio. Drop me an email, nightfallaudiobooks at gmail.com, and check me out on YouTube at Nightfall Audiobooks. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time at the end of The Wrong Number. Hi, I'm Chris Ebinger, and welcome to Nightfall Audiobooks. We are reading The Wrong Number by R.L. Stein, a Fear Street novel, Book 5. Prologue Scheming It was the thing he'd been best at in his life. Seeing something he wanted and figuring out how to go after it step by step. Sure, he messed up a lot. He'd had some bad luck. Sometimes people got in his way, ruined his perfect plans. That wouldn't happen this time. This plan was his best. No way it could fail. No way he let anyone mess up this one. As he sat in the dark, rolling it over and over in his mind, a sneer formed on his face. It was too bad what he had to do. He didn't really want to hurt anyone. But what choice did he have? He had to take care of himself. No one else was going to take care of him. He learned that early, beginning with his parents. Now he knew it was time to act, and not think about what had happened to him in the past. After all, it wasn't his fault that he was always getting in trouble. That was going to change. From now on, things would go exactly the way he wanted them to. He'd made the perfect plan. On the surface, everything seemed normal. But someone was due for a big surprise. A deadly surprise. All he had to do was be patient. Be patient and wait until it was time to act. Chapter 1 The First Week in September The blob of green gel oozed like something from the bottom of a decaying swamp. It spread and settled in its container, quivering as if searching for a way to escape or a way to take over. Dina Martinson plunged her hand into the porcelain sink and slowly squeezed the gelatinous mess. Yuck, she said. Are you sure you want to put this on your hair? Go ahead, said her friend Jade Smith. Jade was sitting on a wooden stool in front of the bathroom mirror, a towel covering her shoulders, her freshly washed auburn hair hanging in damp coils down her back. I know your mom's a professional hairdresser, said Dina, but this stuff looks like the thing that ate Cincinnati, and I won't even tell you what it feels like. Go on, Jade insisted. My mom uses it on her hair all the time, and it looks great, all shiny and full of body. Are you sure you don't mean dead bodies, cracked Dina. She began applying the gel to her friend's hair. Soon, the long tresses were covered with slime and gave off a faintly jello-y scent. Now what? she asked when she had finished. Now we wait for it to dry, said Jade, at which point I'll be ravishing? Sure you don't want to try it out? We could do your hair in spikes. Dina fingered her own baby fine hair. It was shortish and blondish and straightish. All she could do was wear it layered and hope for the best. Her mother said her hairdo made her look like an angel. She wasn't sure she liked that idea but spikes didn't sound any better. No thanks, she said. I have enough problems without trying secret Formula X09 or whatever it is. It could be your big chance, said Jade, 
But she didn't push. She didn't seem to care much. In fact, she sounded a little bored, as bored as Dina felt. What a way to spend Saturday night, said Dina with a sigh. Yeah, I hate to admit it, said Jade, but I'll actually be glad when school starts on Monday. It'll be great to see all the kids start going to dances and games. Yeah, I guess, said Dina. Hey, Miss Enthusiasm. It's just, I don't know what to expect, said Dina. Things are going to be different. What do you mean? I just found out that my brother Chuck is going to be living here. Your brother? You don't have a brother, said Jade. My half-brother, actually. He's my dad's son from his first marriage. I've only met him a few times. He's coming to Shadyside for his senior year. Really? Jade was all ears now, but then she usually was where boys were concerned. Down, girl, said Dina. Chuck is nothing but trouble. In fact, that's why he's coming here. He was supposed to graduate from Central City last year, but he got expelled. His mom and my dad decided he'd do better in a small town like Shadyside. Expelled, said Jade. What for? I'm not sure, said Dina. It had something to do with kids he hung out with. He actually got arrested one time. He's been getting in trouble ever since he was little. He sounds interesting, said Jade with a mischievous smile. To you, Freddy Krueger would sound interesting, cracked Dina, wandering into her bedroom. It's just that the regular boys at Shadyside are so predictable, said Jade, following her. That's predictable, spelled B-O-R-I-N-G. She pulled the towel off her shoulders, then shook her damp hair out and pirouetted in front of the full-length mirror on Dina's closet door, admiring her figure. She was wearing a pink and white checked jumpsuit with short sleeves. Dina had heard that redheads weren't supposed to wear pink, but Jade looked good in every color of the rainbow, and she knew it. In fact, she was very vain. But, Dina had to admit, Jade had a lot to be vain about. How's your hair? Dina asked to change the subject. Still cooking, said Jade. She suppressed a yawn, then sat down on Dina's bed, and began using an emery board on her already perfect nails. She looked around the room, her eyes stopping on a bright blue plastic object on the bedside table. What's this? she said. My new phone, said Dina, when my dad got promoted to vice president of the phone company that gave us the latest instruments. It's pretty rad, said Jade, picking it up. It looks like the control panel for a jet plane or something. What are all these buttons for? They're for programming in phone numbers, said Dina. You push one button and the phone automatically dials a number. That button's for putting a caller on hold. And this switch, she pointed to a switch on the handset, turns it into a speakerphone, so everyone in the room can hear the conversation. Yeah, said Jade. That sounds like it has possibilities. In fact, it gives me an idea. Whose numbers are in it? I haven't programmed in too many yet, said Dina. Just my grandmother, Mrs. Weller next door, and you, of course. Me? Really? How do I dial it? Just punch number three. Watch this. My little sister Kathy's babysitting the kids tonight. She punched number three, then flipped a switch for the speaker, a strange smile on her face. Hello, she said, holding her nose, so she sounded as if she had a cold. Miss Kathy Smith, please. This is Kathy Smith, said the voice on the other end. Through the speaker, her voice sounded hollow and far away, as if we were coming from the bottom of a well. I'm calling from the Division Street Mall Association, said Jade, still holding her nose. Miss Smith, I regret to inform you that you have been selected worst-dressed shopper of the month. What? shrieked Kathy at the other end. I didn't even go to the mall today. You were positively identified by over a dozen shoppers, said Jade. You have exactly one hour to pick up your prize, a dozen wilted daisies. A dozen what? wailed Kathy. Then her voice turned suspicious. Wait a minute. I know who this is. It's not the mall. Jade, I know you. I don't know what you're talking about, said Jade, pinching her nose even tighter. This is the, you can't fool me, Kathy went on. Next time, pick on someone as stupid as you are.
The sound of the click as she hung up filled the room. Rat, said Jade. I should try it with someone who doesn't know my voice so well. Someone who would never expect. I've got it, Dina. Look up Henry Raven's phone number. Henry Raven, said Dina. He's such a nerd. All he cares about is his computer. Why do you want to talk to him? Just watch, said Jade, or rather, listen to this. She took the phone book from Dina and punched in seven digits. The sound of a ringing phone filled the room, then a click, and then the unmistakable voice of Henry Raven. Hello? Hello? Is this Henry? Jade was talking so low she was almost whispering, and Dina thought her voice sounded mysterious and sexy. This is Henry, said Henry. Who is this? You don't know me, Henry, whispered Jade, but I've had my eye on you for a long time. She whispered long, so it sounded like long, her voice breathy and seductive. Who is this? Someone who'd like to be a good friend. I like your style, Henry. Is this some kind of joke? It's no joke, said Jade. I've never been more serious. You're just the kind of guy a girl like me yearns for. There was a long silence at the other end. Then suddenly Henry sputtered, Find another guy. I don't have time for this. And he hung up the phone with a bang. Both girls fell on the bed laughing hysterically. Did you hear that? He doesn't have time. Dina couldn't stop giggling. That was even better than I expected, said Jade when she stopped laughing. Now it's your turn. My turn, said Dina. Sure, you heard me. We'll just pick Jade. No, said Dina. I can't even talk to people in person. That's the whole point, said Jade. It's much easier when you're anonymous. Now let's see. She went on, flipping through Dina's phone book. How about Rob Morell? Rob Morell, shrieked Dina. He's one of the most popular boys in the whole school. So what, said Jade. You like him, don't you? Sure, said Dina. But when he was in my geometry class last year, I could never think of anything to say to him. Well, now's your chance, Jade said. But what if he finds out it's me? Just whisper like I did and he won't have a clue, said Jade. Ignoring Dina's continuing protest, she punched a number and thrust the phone at her friend. But what'll I say, cried Dina, looking horrified. Whatever comes to your mind, said Jade, just be sexy. Hello, squeaked Dina. Then she took a deep breath and dropped her voice. May I speak to Rob Morrell, please? Great, Jade mouthed the word. After a moment, a sleepy-sounding boy's voice came over the speaker. Hello? Hello, Rob, whispered Dina, making her voice as seductive as possible. What's a good-looking guy like you doing home on a Saturday night? I rented some movies, Rob said. Who is this? This is your secret admirer, said Dina. The words just came to her. My what? What's your name? I can't tell you my name, because then it wouldn't be secret anymore. Dina was amazed at herself. So far, the words came easily, as if she were reading them from a script. Well, if you can't tell me your name, tell me what you look like, said Rob. He no longer sounded sleepy. In fact, he was sounding interested. Dina shut her eyes and leaned back on the bed. What do I look like, she repeated. Well, I'm about 5'4", 105 pounds, with blonde hair to my waist. My eyes are green and I have full lips. People tell me I look like Kim Basinger. Say, maybe we could get together sometime, said Rob. I like that, said Dina. You're such a good-looking guy. I'll call you again one night real soon. How about tonight, said Rob, or tomorrow? Can I have your number? I've got to go now, said Dina. Remember, I'll call again. She leaned forward to hang up the phone and looked at Jade a moment. They collapsed back on the bed, shrieking with laughter. He bought it, cried Dina. I can't believe it. He was practically drooling. You were great, said Jade. You're a natural. He'll probably stay home waiting by the phone for the next month. You were right, said Dina. It was easy, much easier than talking to someone in person. I told you so, said Jade. So, who should we call next? How about... Not tonight, said Dina, looking at her watch. It's getting late. 
and my folks will be home any minute. What about tomorrow? said Jade. Dina shook her head. Tomorrow night, my dad and I are driving to the airport to pick up my brother Chuck. Be sure to tell him hello for me, said Jade. He doesn't even know you. Jade turned her full smile on. Not now he doesn't, she said, but I have a feeling he will soon. Chapter 2 On the way to the airport, Dina felt both excited and nervous. She was beginning to like the idea of having a long-lost brother in the house. In fact, she realized, there could be certain important advantages, such as he could introduce her to his friends. Then she'd remember everything she'd heard about the trouble Chuck had been in. She got a funny feeling in the pit of her stomach that maybe things weren't going to work out so well. Also, her father seemed really nervous, even more nervous than she was. Be friendly to him, Dina, her dad said. But try to give him space. Remember, he grew up in a big city and isn't used to small-town friendliness. Right, said Dina. He'll probably think we're all a bunch of hicks, she thought. Her first glimpse of Chuck was promising. She hadn't seen him since he was about ten, and he'd grown up since then. He was tall now, and his t-shirt and tight jeans showed off the taut muscles of an athlete. His hair was thick and sandy, above startlingly blue eyes. Jade, Dina knew, were called Chuck a hunk. But when she got closer, she saw that something was wrong with the picture of the all-American good-looking guy. For one thing, there was the expression on his face. Dina wasn't sure what it was. It seemed to be somewhere between a scowl and a sneer. A snowl, she wondered? When Dina's father put out his hand for a handshake, Chuck pretended he didn't say it. Mr. Martinson looked a little flustered and smiled uncertainly. Chuck, remember your sister Dina? Chuck looked at her as if she were a toad or some other low form of life. Hello, kid, he said. Kid? This hero is going to be awful, Dina knew. But in the next instant, Chuck smiled at her, a goofy lopsided smile that made him look like a completely different person. She smiled back nervously, wondering what to expect next. On the way home, it was even more confusing. Dina sat in the back seat and listened while her father and Chuck talked. Except it was mostly her father talking. Chuck just grunted. Once he said, This is such a drag, man. I don't see why I can't go back to Central City High. Because they won't let you back in, said Mr. Martinson. Your mother and I have repeatedly talked to them, as you well know. For the first time, Dina's father sounded a little exasperated, maybe even angry. Dina hoped to hear more about why Chuck had been expelled. I want to make it clear to you, her father started, but the sound of squealing brakes and screeching tires interrupted him. Dina screamed at the sound of the crash. She heard glass shattering, then another crash. A horn started honking, then another. Someone cried out. More tires squealed. Dina held her hands over her ears. Mr. Martinson, a look of horror on his face, his mouth wide open, stomped down on the brakes. His tan BMW skidded toward a jumble of other cars and came to a stop just inches from the car in front of it. Behind them, Dina could hear more cars sliding and skidding. Get out, Mr. Martinson ordered. It'll be safer outside the car. Dina and Chuck quickly scrambled out onto the grassy shoulder and away from the pile of cars. Up above, a million stars were sparkling in the sky. Chuck began to trot toward the crowd at the front of the traffic jam. Dina followed him out of curiosity. Hey, come back, her father yelled. Chuck ignored him and kept jogging. Dina hesitated, looked back at her father, then followed Chuck. At the head of the tangle of cars, a red Plymouth sat crumpled against a concrete divider, smoke pouring out of his engine. While Dina and Chuck watched, flames began to lick up from the bottom of the car toward his doors. Look out, someone shouted, it's on fire! The crowd began to move back. Dina watched with horror as the fire began to grow. She edged back even farther on the shoulder, to get as far away from the car as possible. All at once she noticed that Chuck wasn't with her. He was standing in front of the crowd, staring at the flames as if he were hypnotized. Suddenly, 
There was a broken-hearted scream from the crowd. Tuffy's in there! Dina turned to look and saw a young boy holding a bloody towel to his forehead. Tuffy! the boy called. Save Tuffy! There's a dog in the car, someone else shouted. And now Dina could see the face of a small black-and-white dog at the back window. The dog was jumping up and down, barking hysterically. The flames licked higher and higher. Suddenly, someone broke loose from the crowd and began running toward the burning Plymouth. No! a man shouted in the crowd. It's going to blow up! The figure kept running, then disappeared into the thick smoke. To her horror, Dina realized it was Chuck. Chuck! Chuck, come back! she shrieked, but it was too late. The car exploded in a blazing fireball of red and orange flames. Chapter 3 Even though it was after midnight by the time they got home, and even though school started the next day, Dina couldn't sleep. She just lay in her bed, thinking about everything that had happened that night. While everyone in the crowd watched in silent horror, Chuck had come running out of the smoke and flames. Mr. Martinson came up just then. What's going on? he demanded. No one answered. They were all staring at Chuck, his face and hands blackened by the explosion, his shirt ripped. He trotted back to the side of the road, carrying the black and white dog in his arms. Tuffy! Tuffy! screamed the little boy. Chuck, what in the world? cried Mr. Martinson. Chuck ignored everyone for a moment. He was petting the little animal, talking to it soothingly, his blackened face very close to the face of the dog. After a moment, he straightened up, then handed the small animal to its owner. Here, kid, he said. The boy's mother, who had a big bruise forming on the side of her face, impulsively hugged Chuck. Oh, thank you, she said. You don't know how much that dog means to Timmy. You're a hero, you know that? Hey, it's okay, Chuck said, looking embarrassed. I used to have a dog myself. Dina gazed at her half-brother with new respect. He was standing there with a goofy grin on his face, and he wasn't even hurt, though he left into a burning car. Later, lying in bed thinking about it, Dina remembered what the woman had said. To everyone at the accident scene, Chuck had been a hero. He must really be brave, she thought, or crazy. The next morning at breakfast, Dina decided to let Chuck know she was proud of him and try to make him feel welcome. Her father had already left for work, and her mom was running late as usual. There wasn't time for anything fancy, so she poured two bowls of bran cereal, then washed a bunch of blueberries and sprinkled them on top. She'd almost finished eating hers when Chuck came in, yawning sleepily. Hi, Chuck, she said brightly. I fixed you some cereal. If we hurry, we can get to school early, and then, if you want, I can introduce you around. For a moment, Chuck just stared at her. Forget it, kid, he said. I don't need any help getting along. But I only meant... Dina stopped. Her cheeks were burning as if he had slapped her. He poured some milk on his cereal not caring if it slopped out onto the table. A moment or two later, Dina's mom came into the kitchen, adjusting an earring. Hurry up, kids, she said. I'll drop you at school on the way to the office. Without a word, Chuck stood up and dumped his cereal into the sink. Dina just stared at him. What was the matter with him, she wondered. Was he really crazy? By the time she had got to the lunchroom at noon, Dina had nearly forgotten her troubles with Chuck. It was good to be back, she thought. Right after she had filled her tray and found a seat, Rob Morrell came sauntering in with a bunch of guys from the track team, trying to look cool the way he always did. In the past, Dina had thought Rob was as cool as he thought he was. After all, he was good-looking, smart, and a star athlete, the kind of boy she could never think of anything to say to. But that day, she felt different. She smiled, remembering her phone call Saturday night, and how she had Rob eating out of her hand. It gave her a feeling of power, a feeling she could do anything she wanted. She stared at Rob and smiled, not caring if he saw her or not. You might think you're the hottest guy at Shadyside, she thought, but little do you know I'm the girl of your dreams. Yes, me. Shy, quiet little Dina. Yoo-hoo! Anybody home? 
Dina looked up, startled out of her daydream of power over Rob. Jade was standing behind her holding a lunch tray. She was wearing a yellow and white striped sundress, and her long red hair was tied back with a white ribbon. She looked fabulous. In fact, all the boys in the lunchroom were staring at her. Well, do you want me to join you, or are you going to spend the rest of the afternoon in the clouds? Sure, Jade, have a seat, Dina said. Jade sat her tray down, then sat next to her friend. I thought you'd be eating with your new brother, she said. Dina shrugged. He's made it pretty clear he's not interested in socializing with his little sister, she said. She tried to sound as though she didn't care one way or the other. Oh, said Jade, looking disappointed. Then she brightened and began looking around the crowded lunchroom. Well, what does he look like at least? Where is he? He's... Dina swiveled her head around the lunchroom, but saw no sign of Chuck. Well, I don't know where he is, she said. She frowned, suddenly nervous. Why wasn't Chuck at lunch, she wondered. She knew they had the same lunch period. I'll meet him some other time, Jade said. Then she leaned forward. Guess who's just become the hot couple of the month, she said. Who, said Dina. Bruce Kipnis and Sherry Murdoch. Really, Dina said. Bruce and Sherry were the two fattest kids in the school. They're both my geography class, and they walked in holding hands this morning, said Jade. Well, I guess that's nice, said Dina. Yeah, probably no one else would want to go out with either of them, said Jade. Oh, and I've got to tell you what Mrs. Overton was wearing. You know, she cut her hair really short, almost as short as a boy's. What? said Dina. I said, Mrs. Overton, what's the matter with you? said Jade, sounding exasperated. I don't know, Dina said. I guess I am a little worried about Chuck. Somehow, I have a feeling he... Before she could finish her thought, her words were cut off by the sudden banging as the cafeteria doors flew open. Dina turned to look, but all she could see were two bodies crashing into a stack of used trays by the door. Fight! someone shouted, and the room echoed with the noise of chairs being scraped back dishes and silverware clattering onto the tables. By now, everyone was standing, and a crowd had started to gather by the doors. Dina was on tiptoe, struggling to see who it was. It's Bobby McCory? Jade called over the excited shouts of the other kids. He's fighting with some new kid. Uh-oh, Dina thought. She climbed up on the chair to see. Oh, no, she groaned. It's Chuck. Look out, a girl beside her cried. The new kid's got a knife! <laughs>